my heart Sunday morning Hallelujah And it's lasting all week long Oh, can you hear it? Can you feel it? It's the rhythm of a gospel song Oh, won't you choose it? You can't lose it Oh, there ain't nothing, there ain't nothing Gonna steal my joy I got an old church choir singing in my soul I got a sweet salvation and it's beautiful I got a heart overflowing cause I've been restored There ain't nothing gonna steal my joy No, there ain't nothing gonna steal my joy With the valleys that I wander Turn to mountains I can't climb Oh, you are with me Never leave me Oh, there ain't nothing There ain't nothing Gonna steal my joy I got an old church wine singing in my soul I got a sweet salvation And it's beautiful I got a heart today. We have a special guest worship leader with me today. His name is Josh Stump. Would you welcome him, please? We're going to keep on worshiping and praising Jesus so that he can know that we are here giving him all the praise, all the glory, because he is a great God.
loves you the same Oh, won't you come with me Oh, won't you come with me Just call out his name Just call As one church declare that Say, I have decided I have decided I'm following
We didn't really know what to expect when we went to our first group. Um, would we be awkward? Would they be awkward? Would people accept us? Yeah, superficial concerns, but still concerns nevertheless. But after we met everyone, we got to banter a bit. Oh my gosh, we found out Molly made this killer guacamole. We openly accepted our fate after yeah. that. Yeah, our group just got better and better. One of the most encouraging things is that our leaders were normal people just like us. Yeah, it's been such a joy to get to know everyone in the group. They were even accepting when we were running late on our snack week. Josh forgot to get gluten-free chips. Our group became so close, we even got to get together outside of Fresh Life Group. And formed an ultimate Frisbee team. Go Disciples! We laughed together, cried together. And even watched Frozen together. Let it go! the fun we have, there is something about getting together with people and discussing the previous week's teachings. Yeah, it really allows the teaching to penetrate a whole nother level. Honestly now, I can't imagine life without our group. If grace was a kingdom, I stopped at the gate. Thinking I don't deserve to pass through after all the mistakes that I've made. Oh, but I heard a whisper as heaven bent down. Said, child, don't you know that the first will be last and the last get a crown? And now I'm just a beggar in the excited about our new series coming up next week. It's called Broken Things. And we're going to be talking about and answering questions like, does my brokenness have purpose? Can God use my brokenness? And so we're going to be talking about those things for the next four weeks starting next weekend. And so there's little cards as you walk and just grab a couple, grab five, grab 15 and pass them out. Um, sometimes I just grab those and stick it on my refrigerator just as a reminder to pray of what's coming up and how God can use this series uh, to just really impact people because we're all broken and God can still use us because of Jesus. So we also want to talk about life groups. So life groups, the launch is coming up on September 25th. And uh, if you are interested in life groups, we'd love to talk to you about that. I asked a question a couple weeks ago and said, how will I get connected? This is a great opportunity to get connected here at Crossroads. Life groups, crazy things happen. You grow in a deeper relationship with Jesus, with each other, and really impact your community, and we can't do life alone. So I encourage you to grab me after the service. I'll be in the back by that table right in the back, and just grab me, and we'll talk more about life groups, and just really love to connect you in that way. But the launch is September 25th. Um, at this moment, would you pass the friendship folders too? We'd love to know that you're here and just be able to serve you and help you as you grow and just get connected here at Crossroads. Um, one, one last thing that I really want to talk about this morning. So a lot of you have been paying attention to um, the Hurricane Irma that's happening in Florida and, and, and a lot of uh, further areas south. And uh, we have a connection to Jonathan Falwell, the pastor at um, Thomas Road in Lynchburg, Virginia, right by Liberty. And um, 
he and his wife were in uh, St. Thomas on a surprise vacation for he and his wife, and they ended up getting trapped because of the storm. He and his wife are safe, um, but these pictures are from that area. Just the devastation is overwhelming. And so a lot of you, uh, we talked about Hurricane Harvey and being able to support that through gleaning for the world. That's an organization we're partnering with. So if you would just mark on your offering Hurricane Relief, we'll make sure it gets towards those efforts. And uh, yeah, so we got a lot of great things happening here. Life groups, brand new series. But we can't forget how we as a church can partner with our brothers and sisters and those who really need Jesus at this moment um, because they just lost everything. And so they need to see hope. And hope comes through a water bottle, through a, a, a hug, through a high five, through somebody showing up saying, hey, you're not alone. And so we can send funds. And if you're interested in going, we don't want to stop you from doing that. So if there's any way we can help you do that, please let us know. But at this moment, I'd like to ask the ushers forward and we'll pray over this morning's offering. Father, we, we come before you knowing that we are broken things. And God, we recognize that our brokenness is easy to stick there. It's easy to be stuck. But we thank you because of Jesus that your, your son Jesus gives our brokenness meaning. That, that our brokenness hasn't been a waste of time. God, that you use that for a greater purpose. So Lord, at this moment we, we give out of a heart of humility and sacrifice the treasures that you give to us. Whether small, whether great, whether whatever size, whatever shape, God, we know that you've given us and now we give back to you so that we can see your kingdom furthered in our country and in our world. We love you, Jesus. And we commit this to you right now in our Savior's name.
God, thank you for these people. Thank you for your church. And thank you. Thank you for your son. Please help us today to be good stewards of your word, to be good followers of your faith. Help us to carry the things out of here that we are given by you, by Ken, by everybody around us. Help us to be a people in your grace and in your presence and in your word. In Jesus' name, we pray. And they all said, amen. Would you guys have a seat? tour for the uh, for a summer book tour of uh, uh, the book of Ephesians, Ephesus, and uh, you know, sadly summer's over. Aren't you sad about that? It's gone, right? But uh, I, before I get started today, aren't you excited about the parking lot out there? Huh? Can we give God a hand for that? That's exciting stuff that's happening. You know, I uh, I remember last year, last summer, I got up and said, "Folks, it'll be done by Halloween." Right? I was all excited about that, and it didn't happen. And so I very wisely didn't say anything ever again, and, uh, and it happened, so uh, I'm just excited. Next, uh, so how we're parking this morning is not how we'll be parking. Next week when you get here, the top coat will be on, so they're, they're coming back to do more work this week. There's another layer of asphalt that goes on top of that, and then they'll be lining the lots, and, uh, and it'll, be, it'll be a new traffic pattern. So when you come in, you'll come up here to the church, and then you'll likely take a right. So I say that to caution you to be ready for next week because it'll be, we're going to lay it out slightly different than it has been. So just be expecting it, and try not to run the guys down over there. Um, it's hard enough to recruit help out there as it is, so <laughs> don't run them over next week, all right? We're excited about that. Ephesians 5 is where we're going to be hanging out today, and the last stop that we're going to look on our tour of Ephesians is going to be the family. Um, you know, we, we looked at, at many different areas. We laid such a strong foundation for who Jesus is. Uh, we laid the foundation that Jesus is God. He's love. He's the Christ. He, he's given you everything that you need to be successful in the Christian life. Uh, everything that you need is found in Jesus Christ. So, so we have, uh, we've laid that foundation. We took all summer to do that. And then he gives some very practical things past few weeks, we looked at the things you put on and the things you take off. Uh, put on forgiveness, take off anger, these type of things, very practical in nature. And now today, we're going to go into the family. But when I think of family, uh, there's a couple things that come into my mind when you think of family this morning. And so uh, one of them is this picture here. Anybody know that family? I realize I'm dating myself with that, okay, but there's a few of you that are my vintage that know who Happy Days is, okay? Remember Happy Days? Uh, uh, And and they were, uh, that was Richie Cunningham, and everything that Richie Cunningham did was all, it was always happy. It was always happy days, right? He got in trouble, but by the end, everything worked out. It was happy. And thus the show was called Happy Days, you know? Uh, And then uh, then there was this other family here. This was the Cleaver family. And uh, remember the Cleavers? Anybody remember Leave it to Beaver? Now I'm really showing where I came from, right? I love Leave it to Beaver. I used to watch this guy, you know, G. Wally, you know, it, it just, that, that was his whole deal. But, you know, this was like the ideal family of the 50s. The, this family was, uh, these, these people were pretty cool because everything always worked out in their stories. It's amazing how they get it out, worked out in 30 minutes too, you know? Occasionally, you had to wait till next week for it to get worked out, but it mostly always worked out in 30 minutes. 
And uh, here was this lady, June Cleaver, you know, and uh, she was, uh, I think that was her name, was it June? All right. She, so she would run the vacuum in high heels, a dress, and pearls, all right? And, uh, and I'm looking, I'm saying, man, this was the ideal family. But as I look at myself, I say, my family ain't like that. I asked my wife to vacuum in high heels and pearls. It don't work. It ain't, it ain't happening. We have a vacuum cleaner. We know where it is. It is not coming out with hills. I'm just telling you that right now. Um, so so as, I, as you look at this, you know, we, we, everybody wants to paint this picture of what family ought to be. And we all want that because we all plan. You know, when you go to the altar and you say, I do, and uh, there's all these, these expectations that you have about marriage, all these things that you're thinking about the future and how, how life is going to happen. And then what happens is that it doesn't happen. Okay, so you get out there and like you're thinking, oh, it, you know, I've married Prince Charming. This is Ken and Barbie at the altar, and there's no Prince Charming. There's no such thing as Ken and Barbie. They only exist in the toy store. Okay, that's the only place we're going to find Ken and Barbie. And in this marriage, there was no Ken and Barbie. Just look at me. This is not the Ken that you would buy in a toy store. Okay, so so you you have the, you have this tension, and here's where the tension comes from: reality versus my dream. Reality versus what actually happens. And so, I mean, everybody sets out, you want to have this happy marriage, you want to have this happy life, you want to have a happy family, but then things change and things, you realize that, yeah, I'm still happy, but it's not this dream. It's not the cleavers. It's, you know, everything doesn't work out in 30 minutes. Sometimes it takes quite a few days or years. And so so we get this tension. So as we come to look at the family this morning, I'm reminded that the Apostle Paul is laying out for us the ideals. He's saying, look, this is like for a Christian family, this would be the cleaver family of the Christian family. A cleaver, you know, the, the, the Christian family. Like, if you could do this, this would be like, man, you're firing on all cylinders. And he's given us great hope because Jesus, Jesus always came and he looked at the, he looked at the world the way it was. He came in and, for example, the Ten Commandments. Nobody could keep the Ten Commandments. There were people who thought that they could. There were people who thought that they could perform all that, but they couldn't keep the Ten Commandments. And Jesus said, I give you a greater commandment to love one another. So Jesus always came and he raised the bar. And he raised the bar so high that, that people understood that, gee, I, I can't do that. Um, there, there's so many times he kept raising the bar. And whenever they saw that they couldn't do that, Jesus would offer grace and forgiveness. And that's what Jesus does. He offers grace and forgiveness. So this morning, we're going to look at, at what, what the Apostle Paul, he's taken the teachings of Jesus. He's taken the teaching about love your neighbor, love one another. I mean, he has all these teachings about, that Jesus has given him, how to love, and he's now applying it to the family. So this morning, you may say, well, I'm not married. Well, I want you to take note because there are, there's a lot of things that you can use that you will be able to apply to your life. By the end of the day, by the, by the end of the, uh, of the message this morning, there'll be things in singleness that you'll be able to apply into your life right now. So, so don't like say, okay, I'm single, this is not for me, all right? Because there's applications from God's word, whether you're single or married, even in the context he's talking about marriage. And if you're married, I want you to pay extra attention. Uh, because there's, there's things that, that, that can really help you. You can go home today and you can put some things into practice. And so we're going to start with Ephesians 5, verse 22. And I'm going to read several verses here. And then we're going to come back and talk about them, all right? Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Notice he doesn't say, like he's Lord. 
but as to the Lord. The way you submit to God, all right? Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife as Christ is head of the church, his body, which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by, the, by washing with water through the word, and to present, her, uh, to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his, uh, his wife loves himself. Uh, Adam, God made Adam, and then he made Eve. But he made Eve from a rib from Adam. So literally, this, he's saying you're loving yourself. So when husbands love their wives, they're loving themselves. It says, of course, you wouldn't not feed yourself. Um, you, you're, so love your wife. You take care of yourself love your wife after all no one ever hated his own body verse 29 but feeds uh, but feeds and cares for it just as christ does the church for we are members of his body then he goes back and he quotes an old testament verse here on marriage he says for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh this is a profound mystery but i am talking about christ in the church However, each one of you must also love his wife as, as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Ephesians 6, 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. He goes back and he quotes again from the Old Testament. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. That it may go well with you and, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children or do not provoke your children to anger. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So we see here, this, this is like the Apostle Paul, he, he's painting a picture here and he's telling the Ephesian church, he tells them, listen, you're living in this world of struggles. Uh, the Ephesian church, they're living in, the, in this Roman culture. Remember, we talked about all the, the false god worship that was going on all over the place. And so they're living in this land where, man, there's so many distractions. And he now says, hey, pay attention to your family. Pay attention to relationships. Because if we don't pay attention to the relationships, this is going to hurt us. Uh, you can't just be godly over here and not godly in your relationships. He says, take the godliness that you've learned about God. Take the love that you've learned about him, and now let's come and apply it into your life. So here's just a few things that he, that he gave us here. He said first, he said uh, on our list, he said that husbands should love your wives. He said that wives should submit to your husbands. He said children should obey their parents. And he said dads, don't provoke your children to anger. Now, this is a pretty good list. And as you look at that, you say, wow, this is like that ideal family. If, if it could all work the way we want it to work, yeah, all these are great things. Except there's one line in there that I think some people resist a little bit. It's one line that probably if you're a woman, you're saying, what's that all about? Which one do you think that might be? Wives submit to your husbands, right? 
So, so that, that, is, that is a verse that I've heard taken out of context in many areas, many places. Wives, submit to your husbands. And people think that that means, and uh, let's go there, verse 21. It says, wives, submit to your husbands, all right? Um, many people think that that means that, okay, whatever the husband wants, whenever he wants it, he's the grand poobar of the house. They should come home and serve him. Not a bad idea, right? No, I'm just kidding, all right? Uh, but that's not what that means. I, I think sometimes we've taken things out of context that we don't understand. He says here that wives should submit to your husbands, but it continues on. It's not like this verse stands alone here. It says, wives submit to your husbands uh, as to the Lord. There, your husband is not Lord. He, your husband is not God. Uh, but he says, the, the scripture says, wives, submit to your husbands. All right, so submit means I, I, I very lovingly am going to go with the program. I'm very lovingly going to be on your team, all right? So submit. Wives, submit to your husband. But he continues on. He says that the husbands, all right? Husbands are to, are to um, for the husband is the head of the church, uh, uh, head of the wife as Christ is head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. So in other words, the husband is, is doing something for the wife. Uh, you know, I don't go home and sit in my reclining chair with a, with, a, uh, with a remote control and say, hey, baby, submit to me. You know, that isn't going to work. It doesn't work. I'll let you know from experience. It doesn't work, all right? Men, don't go home and try that, you know? Hey, the pastor said wives submit to their husbands, you know? I'll take a large fry, you know? I mean, it's just not how that works. Uh, he's talking about, he says, husbands, love your wives. Verse 25, husband, love your wives. The two go hand in hand. You can't isolate one without the other, okay? Hus- wives submit, and in the same, same passage, he says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands, we're to love our wives as Christ gave himself up. For her. Submission is predicated on that sacrifice. You see, Jesus is the head of the church. Why is he the head of the church? Because he sacrificed. He went to the cross. He gave himself so that you might have eternal life. And as the church follows the leadership of Christ, so in a family, when the husband is sacrificing in order to be the head, in order to be the lead, he's not lead just because he's dad, just because he's husband. He, he leads when he leads. And when he's a spiritual leader, he stands up. And he leads by making the sacrifices. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ Gave himself for the church. That's how he, he, he loved. He didn't just say it. It wasn't something just verbal, I love you. No, no, he made sacrifice. How, how did Christ love the church? First of all, he sacrificed his life. He went to the cross. He paid for your sin. And, and the Bible says that he who knew no sin took on your sin. He went to the cross for you. He paid for your sin so that you might live. And so this is what he did. He sacrificed. Now, and, and just think about Jesus leaving heaven and coming down to earth and the huge sacrifice to leave heaven, to come down to earth and, and to submit to, the, to humankind, to the cross and pay for your sin. He sacrificed his life. Uh, the next thing he did is that he forgives limitlessly. 
There's no limit to how, to how he forgives. Um, you know what? <clears throat> Peter had asked Jesus. Peter and Jesus were talking, and Peter says to Jesus, you know, how many times should we forgive? Now, the, the law stated that you should, get, should forgive three. It was like known that three was the, the amount of time, according to their culture, that you ought to forgive. You forgive a person three times. So Peter says to Jesus, and, you know, Peter's thinking, well, you know, I got this figured out. He says, say, Jesus, how, how many times should we forgive? Seven? So what he did was he doubled it and added one. Should we forgive seven? And Jesus responds, no. No, no, no. You should forgive seven times 70. 70 times seven. So if you take 70 times seven, that's 490. Was Jesus saying that 490 is the limit to your forgiveness? No, I would have run out of that long time ago, folks. I've been married 20-some years. I, I mean, I went through 490 forgivenesses that she had to forgive me in the first year and a half. I mean, that's, that's gone. I mean, where there's two people. So, so you, you got the ideal world, and then you got the real world. And where there's movement, there's friction, right? So we collide with people. Uh, in a marriage, you're, you have two different people, two different thoughts, two different ways of, of being. You, I mean, you know, who is it said that men are from Mars, women are from Venus or something? You know, you've heard all that stuff out there. In other words, we think differently. So in a marriage, as we come together, we're to learn from Jesus. And so we forgive each other. My wife forgives me, I forgive her, and we try to keep short accounts on that. But that's, how, that's what Jesus did. And as the man of the house, as the husband, we get to lead in that. We get to lead. That's where we get to lead. We get to stand up and say, we are people of forgiveness. We are people of love. And I am a person, I'm a man of sacrifice. So think about how do you sacrifice uh, there, there are many ways that you sacrifice. You think about being a spiritual leader. Sometimes we sacrifice by being that leader even when it's uncomfortable. Uh, maybe it's uh, just, just the whole deal of getting the family to church. And you, know, you may be uncomfortable with that role, but you do it anyhow. That, that's leadership. You do things that are uncomfortable. Uh, you may, you, excuse me. You may be coming and you may be saying, okay, uh, maybe we, we'll pray over dinner. That's a good one. Maybe we'll do devotions. Those are all good things. But let's take it down to the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of God's Spirit in our life is love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, all these things. And as we exhibit those, as that fruit comes out of our life, that's where the husband becomes the sacrifice. That's where the husband becomes the leader of the home. So, we, so, so those are all good things, but the greatest thing is to live it. So there's, there's, there's a couple keys here. In verse 33, he sums it up. Through, through all that little passage there about the husband and wife, he says, however, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Uh, there, there's, here's the dynamic. Now, when we see it like that, respect. And yeah, listen, that, that's a big deal. Respect and love. So, so this is what makes a happy home. When, when, a, when a marriage, love and respect sacrifice, unselfish sacrifice. You know what? Here's a gift that you can give, give your wife. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, wives, you can give your husband the gift of unselfish respect. That's huge. Whether he deserves it or not, you're giving him the gift of unselfish respect. Uh, re respect your husband even when he doesn't deserve it. And then husbands, you give your wife the gift of unselfish sacrifice. Uh, you love your wife. Uh, your role is to serve her, not to be served. I, I, I know uh, there, I have a, 
in our extended family, we, uh, we, we get together sometimes, and, and I'll watch the dynamics of different couples, you know. And there, there are some of those couples that have this dynamic where, you know, you'll see the guy, and his wife just goes and, and like, it, it's the picnic table. His wife will go and just pick up everything for her and, uh, and, and, and bring, it to, bring it to him. And I'm with one of my relatives. I said, that's pretty cool. How did you get that to work? That don't work on my side of the family. You know, my, I go to those picnics, I get my own. How did you pull that off? He goes, I just sit here till she brings it. I said, well, I'd be starving. I'd be half the man that I am today, literally, you know. And uh, every family has a different dynamic. So that's cool if you can do that, but... I don't, you can't demand that. You, you see, it's unselfish sacrifice and unselfish respect. And so that, that's going to look a little differently in all of our families. You're all going to work that out a little bit differently. But the bottom line is you, you come to a place where you learn to respect one another and you learn, you learn to sacrifice for one another. So here, here's an application of this today. If you're a wife, I'd like to ask you to, to make a list of, of the things that you respect about your husband. Make a list of just three. That might take you till Friday. That's okay. But just write that list, okay? Write a list of, of three things that you respect about your husband. And then I want to encourage you to have this discussion. It's a little deeper than the game at 1 o'clock, right? This is like, okay, honey, I really appreciate. And then you got to fill in that blank. And, you know, you can pace yourself. You can talk about one a day. Make it a whole weekend event next weekend, right? Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Start talking. Start to share that. So wives, think about that. And then men, how about if us men, we go and we say, we're going to, we're going to make a list of, of three things that I can sacrifice for my wife. I mean, you know, sacrifice, uh, we, we can look at sacrifice. Sacrifice in my time. You know, what, what if I said I was going to come home early on Thursday at 330 for my wife and cut the grass or, or whatever it is that she needed, okay? I, I'm going to do what she's asked me to do. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to come home and I'm going to serve her. Uh, m- maybe I'm going to make dinner on Tuesday night. Uh, you know, this, this would be a, a, a wild dynamic. Why? That's a huge sacrifice because there's so many other things that I could be doing, but now I'm going to step up and I'm going to sacrifice for her. Um, you know, we, we sacrifice in many ways. Think about some very practical ways. So, men, I want to encourage you to make a little list of three. And, women, you make your list of three. And see what happens in our marriages this week. See what happens in our families this week whenever we come in. And then if you're single, I want you to to be thinking about and praying about, number one, pray for the husbands and wives as they're doing this because uh, this is a a big deal. I mean, that that is really, you know, you walk out of church, you actually have something that you're going to put into practice this week. Pray, pray for them, and, and I want you to begin to take notes. Uh, one, of the, one of the greatest things here, he says that, uh, that it's a profound mystery. Verse 32 tells us this. This is a profound mystery. Yeah, marriage in itself is a mystery, isn't it? <laughs> it's a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ in the church. He says, listen, you get to make your, the, the family, the picture of a husband and wife, this love, is a small human picture of the love that God has for the church. That's the mystery. And you know why it's so mysterious to us? Because we live in broken relationships. Our, our relationships are broken. We're, we're, we're not, you know, again, there's no Ken and Barbie on Norman Avenue in Finleyville. It's just, it doesn't exist. So we got people that are trying and people that are, are, are coming to the aid and, and trying to care. 
It's a profound mystery. So if you're single this morning, I want you to take note of marriages. I want you to take note if you're, if you're a teenager, you're a young person, take note of your parents' marriage. Learn from your parents. It's amazing what you can learn from your parents. You might learn a few things that you don't want to learn, right? <laughs> you might want to learn, hey, man, I don't want to do that. I, listen, learn from your parents. Look at your parents. They're, they're a great model for, for a young person on marriage, for a single person on marriage. Uh, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Uh, we, still, we still wrap our mind around that and we say, wow, the, what's, <clears throat> what's going on there? Why, why that word submit, it just makes us feel uncomfortable, it, partially because our culture is in a, we're in a me culture. The me culture says whatever I want doesn't, you know, whatever I want is the only thing that matters. So we take that verse and look in context, but that's verse 22. And I've just read, read to you this whole passage about the family. But if you go back one more verse to verse 21, would you read this with me? This is the verse that sets up the whole passage. Read it out loud with me. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another. Wait a minute. I always thought <laughs> wives supposed to submit to the husbands, right? No, no, no. That's one application of this verse. Paul has taken this, this idea, love one another, care for one another, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, and then he takes that and he carries it through the whole family. Wives submit to the husbands. Husbands sacrifice for the wife. Do you realize when a husband is sacrificing, he's submitting to the wife? He's submitting his own schedule. He's submitting his own uh, his own desires. He's putting her above himself. And when a wife submits to the husband, guess what she's doing? She's putting him above herself. It's no longer the me generation. And listen, the, the, the Ephesian church, they had to deal with this big time because they lived in a culture where it was all filled with hierarchy. Uh, they understood the Rome, uh, the, the Roman Empire. They understood the Roman hierarchy. They understood bowing down to Rome, uh, their allegiance, and submitting to all that. They understood in that culture, there was, uh, in the culture of the Roman Empire, men were everything and women had very little value. And Jesus comes along and Jesus gives value to women all throughout the New Testament. So when he came here, when the Apostle Paul comes along and says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, I'm telling you, every Ephesian family looked and said, what? We don't do that. That's not the way this works. I submit to Rome, slaves. He goes on and further in chapter 6, he talks about how slaves honor their masters. Listen, there was slavery everywhere. There was, all kind of, there was all kind of a mess going on. And the Apostle Paul, he's fleshing out how this whole thing about love, how to love. Jesus said, my commandment. Jesus said, I've given you a new commandment. There were the Ten Commandments. And Jesus says, I've given you a new commandment to love one another. Paul echoes it here. He says, submit to one another. It's the same word he uses for submit in the next verse. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so what happens here, it's, it's a term that I've read a, a few authors, they use this word here, mutual submission. Uh, in other words, in the church, we mutually submit one to another. Uh, at, your, at your company, you mutually submit one to another. There's still a boss. There's somebody who's a leader. There's still these things that are happening. But we mutually submit one to another. Um, so so this, this is a, a big deal that we mutually submit one to another. 
Uh, and, and then when we, we, look at, we look at not just mutually submitting one to another, look in your side of your family now. We mutually submit husband to wife. Husband to wife, wife to husband. We mutually submit. It's like, wow. And yeah, if, if, if there's a leader of the home, Jesus said that a leader, this is how you become a leader, is to serve. Nobody is a leader of their home just because they're male. Nobody's a leader of the home because they're dad. That takes sacrifice. That takes serving. That takes what Jesus did for the church, and Paul just explains it all out. So I want to encourage you to, to learn this, because if we could take this and, and put this into our families, put this into our church, put this into our lives, man, as the pastor, I mutually submit to the congregation. We serve one another. We look out for the best interest of each other. And, and my family, as I submit to my wife, I'm, I'm submitting to her best interest. And she is submitting to my best interest. And guess what happens? That's kind of a really cool marriage when it works that way. You know what happens? Many times we don't work that way. Many times we get me, what I want. And my wife got to do it my way. Or the highway, right? Oh, let me share with you. The highway is a lonely place to be. If you want to do that, you can do that. And, and lose out on all these relationships. But if you want to come and submit one to another, you get to experience the power and the beauty that God intended the very relationship for. It's not me. It's not my way. It's our way. I'm surrendering I for an us. I'm surrendering me for a we, not a PlayStation. Us, we, we work together, right? And so this is where, this is why, wow. You know, I, I've been around different people, you know, and they say, oh, this wife's not even allowed to pick the color of her curtains. You come to my house, we don't even have curtains, you know, whatever. It's, you know, she can pick them out. I, I don't care. Uh, yeah, and if you if you want to have a say about that, that, that's a dynamic you work out in your family. And you work out together. It's not about who picked out what or this or that. It's about, man, do I care about this woman? And about, you know, the, uh, wives, do I care about this husband? And do I honestly have a marriage where I'm working together? Mutual submission. If we put mutual submission to practice, and here's a way that you can put mutual submission to practice. In the church... In your family, school, you young people are in school, you're going, you're going to school, you, you can do this with your friends on a football team. Uh, here, here it is. You ask this question, what can I do for you? What can I do to help you? Now, now just set the stage here. You come home from work, your wife's making dinner, and you, know, you get settled in, and so I come home, and, and I come around, and and I put my arm around my wife and I say, what can I do for you? And she looks at me and passes out. You know, because she's like, something's wrong. What happened to my husband? That's not the guy I married, right? So, so, so he, she comes home and she says, you know, what, what can I do for you? And I do that. And man, it dynamically changes that relationship. Uh, just, just start asking that once a day. What can I do to help you? What can I do? Uh, could you imagine if teenagers came home from school and ask their parents, what can I do for you? 
I want to encourage you. I see many teenagers in this auditorium this morning. I want to encourage you. Go home. Come home from school tomorrow and ask your mom or dad, what can I do to help you? And be prepared because they're, they won't know how to handle that, okay? They're going to be like, whoa, what, what, what do you mean? What can I do? Um, you know, uh, you know a, a husband asks a wife. A wife asks a husband. If a wife... Jim Watts tells a story about him and his wife, and his wife asked how she could help. And, and Deb is this angel. She's this saint. She's like this quiet gem. And she, she, she came to his aid, and Jim's like, man, it just is like incredible. It's incredible. You know, you get around Jim. He's so cool, you know. Everything's incredible around Jim, you know. But he, he's just sharing that with me. And it's like what happens is because it's not because she's like, yes, master, I'd like to go help you. She came and held a flashlight or something for him. And you see, you see what happens is it's like these small things can be radical transformation. What can I do to help you? So I want you to lean to the person that you came with, somebody that's near you, and say, what can I do to help you? Go ahead, try that. What can I do to help you? Okay. All right. Yeah, there's finally we got a little bit of laughter going on, you know. Like, you can buy me lunch. We'll start there, you know. Uh, here's what happens. Do you know why we don't ask that? Because we're afraid they're going to answer it. <laughs> Typically, you know, wife asks her husband, what could I do for you? Ah, oh, it's all right. I got it undercover. It's all right. No problem, you know. A man asks his wife, what can I do for you? Just everything's all right, you know. Like, there's some things I've tried to help with through through the years, like like um, laundry. I'm forbidden in the laundry room. <clears throat> I was, you know, I'm colorblind, so if you ever see me not matching, it means I left the house before my wife could see me. Okay, so I I just I we were newly married, and I didn't know. I just threw everything together, and I was like, how hard can this be? It's laundry. You hit a button and throw some soap in there, right? And, uh, you know, I turned everything into tie-dye, purple and pink. It was so cool. And she got a couple new outfits out of that, you know. Uh, But that's not, you know, you're not supposed to wash, you know, undergarments with jeans and all that. I don't know. So anyhow, I thought if you hit it cold, but that, so I'm forbidden in that area. I I, I try to make some meals. You know, when it comes to the grill, that's dad's job. That's, yeah. (laughs) You You know, making a casserole, she's like, stay out. Stay out. And you see, see, there there are areas that that we, you learn to learn to learn to give and take, and we submit, and we care for one another. But it's all about this sacrifice. What can I do to help you? So I want to encourage you to go home and start to ask that question. Young people, ask that question of you know brother and sister. Ask that of a brother and sister. What can I do to help you? I I you want to get you want to get real close as brother and sisters. Ask what can I do to help you. They might actually answer. Uh, ask your husband, your wife, ask your dad, your parents, you know, children obey your parents in the Lord. This is huge. It's a, that, that's the same principle here. You know, you're coming to your parents and you're saying, okay, it's not about me. It's about what my parents want. My parents want me home at midnight. I got to be home at midnight. I don't want to be home at midnight. My parents want me home at midnight. Okay, I'm going to submit to my parents. I'm going to be home at midnight. You see, there's an application for this for everybody here. Submit to one another. And when, when I do that, I'm taking me out of the center. And, and this is where we struggle because we live in a world where me is always at the center. 
You know, I'm surprised they didn't call it a me phone. You know, it's an iPhone. It's all, you know, we, we think about ourselves constantly. And if we want to have happy relationships, you can't think about yourself. And it's so cool because if my wife's thinking about me and I'm thinking about her, that's called harmony. And I know she always has my back. And she knows I always have her back. And I want to encourage you. What can I do to help you? Um, Jesus here. Jesus helped us. Romans 5, 5, 6 says this, for while we were still helpless. It's a powerful word, isn't it? Helpless in our sin. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And Jesus submits to the Father, says, what can I do? God the Son I want you to go down. I want you to go to earth. I want you to leave all the glory that I have up here, and I want you to live in an old Jewish community over there in Israel by the Mediterranean Sea, and I want you to die on Mount Calvary. What can I do? And at just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. You know who the ungodly are? It's me. It's you. Because he continues here, verse 7, he says, For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps the good for the good, uh, for a good man, someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. In that while we were still sinners, in that while my back was turned on the almighty God of the universe, while my back was turned on him, Christ died for me. God didn't just say I love you. He proved it. He demonstrated it. And because he submitted to the cross, because he submitted to the Father and he did what God, what the, God the Father told him. God the Son comes to the earth, pays for your sin. You get to have eternal life and you can live forever with him if you'll just accept his free gift, his free gift of eternal life. Just open your heart today and say, God, you died for me. You submitted to the cross for me. I don't deserve this. But I thank you for it. And invite him in. Start there. That's the beginning place of mutual submission. We submit to his will. Submit to our Father which is in heaven. And let him transform us. And then in your family, we begin to mutually submit to each other. And we do what God did. We demonstrate our love for our husband, for our wife, for our children, for our parents for members of our church, for members in our community. We submit in love. Let's bow in prayer. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, I ask you this morning to invite Christ in. That is the beginning. You cannot make a marriage work. You cannot make a family work truly the way God designed it without God. So I invite you to submit to him this morning. He died on the cross. He paid for your sin. He came back to life again. And will you submit to him and just pray something like this this morning?
Dear God, I'm a sinner. And I need a Savior. You died and you paid for my sin. You came back to life again for me. And I invite you into my life right now. God transformed my life from the inside out. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for demonstrating your love on the cross for me. And if that's you this morning, you prayed a prayer something like that, I want to ask you to share that with somebody. Share it with the person that you came with. Share it with a friend. Share it with somebody on the way out the door. Man, God, God spoke to me today. And for all of us this morning, can we just remember and thank God for demonstrating His love and ask Him for the power to demonstrate love into our families, into our communities, into our church, into our work, into every area of our life. Father God, thank you for the time we've been able to spend in Ephesians, Lord. I thank you that you have, you have given us freedom in Christ and you've, you've, you've liberated us at the cross, Lord. You gave us freedom from our, from our sin. And Lord, you've given us freedom to have healthy relationships. And God, this morning as we talk about this, I know there's pain associated with family all over the place. God, I ask that you bring healing. Our Lord, we can't change yesterday, but we have today. We're not even guaranteed of tomorrow, but we have today. So Lord, help us to walk out of here and to walk in your ways. And we can't do this without your strength. We can't do this without your power. Lord, help us to demonstrate your love. In your name we pray. Amen. This is we close with this song here. Song of celebration, guys. To be forgiven and be free It's all you got to lean on But thank God it's all you need And all the people said amen Don't matter, we go strong, you know what love is what we're after. We're all broken, but we're all in this together. God knows we stumble and fall. And he so loved the world, he sent his son to save us all. Everybody let's go. And all the people said amen.